welcome to the Behavioral Health Collective podcast, a community of behavior analysts who are passionate about sharing evidence-based practices from the perspective of behavior science. We connect families and educators to information that promotes robust behavioral health in the home, community, and classroom. We are behavioral health practitioners who empower parents and caregivers by sharing behavioral resources that are current and evidence-based. At the Behavioral Health Collective, we set families and educators up for success by promoting meaningful and lasting behavioral health and skill development in the children or young people they work with. Thanks so much for listening in today. I'm Erica Ng, the founder of the Behavioral Health Collective podcast. I'm really looking forward to speaking with fellow behavior analysts Nicole Shallow and Hillary McClinton of Coastal Ridge Sleep Solutions in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. We're going to talk about the basics of sleep, which probably is a common challenge for most families. As a parent, you might be struggling with bedtime routine, insomnia, night wakings, early waking, or challenging behavior surrounding bedtime. At times, this might seem like a life sentence of sleepless nights for both you and your child. This can affect your family, adult relationships in the home, and certainly everyone's overall physical and mental health. You may even be trying pharmaceutical interventions like melatonin, but without complete success. You might feel like you've tried everything, but the good news is there are behavioral strategies that can create positive, lasting change and better sleep habits for you and or your child. Nicole and Hillary are experts in supporting families who struggle with sleep with their children. I specialize in providing sleep solutions for children over the age of two, right through to adult, and also offer parent coaching for behavioral health through their consulting practice. So today they'll share some insights about healthy sleep habits and shed some light on what sleep consultation can look like. Hi there, Hillary and Nicole. How are you doing today? Good. Sure. How are you? Pretty good. Just uh, trying to stay cozy in this rainy BC weather these days. I know. I was nervous about the the bomb cyclone that yes. they predicted was coming. <laughs> I was like, what yeah. does that even mean? What does that mean? Yeah. And then like atmospheric river was like another term that was thrown around, which sounds intense, but I guess that's BC yeah. for us in the fall. So good for yeah. reading books and, and staying inside. Right. And flu season, my son is home today sick. So I'm also yeah. just trying to dodge whatever is in my house right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I highly yeah. recommend that you do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Also with your son home and stuff. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to have this conversation. So as um, sleep consultants, I'm really interested in speaking to you because you serve such a wide range of clients. And so you serve from two to adult. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 And, you know, various exceptionalities and, and not no diagnosis, a whole range of clients. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So divergent and neurotypical. Amazing. So I, I really just wanted to get at today, I guess, some um, initial tips for families in terms of healthy sleep, but then also ask you some specific questions about your services and what that might look like if families have never reached out to a professional to support with sleep. And maybe even some uh, kind of asking a bit about at what point might a family want some help. So I guess just for starters, wondering how did you get into sleep? How did you decide that you wanted this to be your specialization and uh, what got you excited about it in the first place? I guess I can jump in because it all started in our master's degree. So Erica and I did our master's degree together. Um, We had one (laughs) class and Erica, I don't know if you remember, but Pat challenged someone to take on sleep. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I brought that that to Hillary, who was then my supervisor. 
Um, and we both were like, yeah, let's do that. Um, so I'd say that was like the initial start point. Um, and then my interest just kind of started to blossom from there. I have my own personal um, experience with sleep problems. They come and go. Like I just experienced mm-hmm. a little blip with being sick. Um, mm-hmm. So trying to get myself back on track as well as having a new puppy, I am now realizing, oh, this is what it's like to be woken mm-hmm. up early when you don't want to be woken up. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like a window into kids and I'm not necessarily, it's not exactly like children, but I'm kind of experiencing that same issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, that's kind of my blurb, I guess, like how it all started. And I think right around the time that you were bringing it up, I had just had my youngest. And, you know, my first was the one that kind of sucked us into having another because he was a really good sleeper. And my youngest mm-hmm. was not. Um, so I was really struggling with sleep deprivation as well. And so the idea, it hadn't occurred to me for whatever reason to look into our field. No idea why. Mm-hmm. I was reading other books on parenting, et cetera, and nothing was really resonating. And then I started looking into sleep from our lens, from kind of a behavior analytic lens and what we do, and it just clicked. Um, so then we tackled his sleep, um, which then helped with my sleep. Yeah, it was the first one we tackled, I think, and then that helped with my sleep. So, and then we just went from there. Okay. That's amazing. So some real life applications there. And yes, I do remember Nicole, Pat mentioning that a number of times to the class, like somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. There's toileting and feeding or taking care of, but someone's got to do sleep. So I'm, I'm so pleased that you guys have taken this on, um, both in BC, but also elsewhere. Like I'm, can I just ask, do you also consult telehealth outside of British Columbia? Have you been doing that? Yeah, it's completely telehealth and we've done across I think one client was in the UK like just discussion through that support and then the states Um, awesome Mm -hmm. thank goodness for telehealth (laughs) yeah no kidding yep definitely a silver lining from the pandemic I'm sure of us realizing that yeah people can be reached all over the place which is great so I imagine with your work, you come across other professionals and it's very multidisciplinary. And even in getting into this specialization, I'm sure you've done a lot of reading and other sciences because there's lots of other sciences that have research in sleep. But you also mentioned looking into our own field of behavior analysis. So what are some of those other disciplines or areas of science that you've drawn on um, and you kind of integrate with behavior science? Um, I'd say the first, I think the first thing that we did too is we started with behavior analysis, but also really heavily dove into the science of sleep. Because if you don't understand sleep from that perspective, then it's Mm -hmm. really hard to make educated plans like or individualized plans based on that person and kind of reading the data because the numbers only Mm -hmm. speak so much. But if you don't know what actually is biologically sort of happening, um, then it's only going to get you so far, I think. So that was, I mean, the book, Why We Sleep, was eye-opening, to say the least. It's a book that I don't recommend reading right before going to sleep. Um, It can increase your anxiety about getting enough sleep. Um, But it's a great one to just start with. Okay. That's helpful, actually, so I can link that for, for folks. That's kind of, that was your starting point, that book? I'd say it was part of it. Yeah, that was okay. the science of sleep. That one was the the jumping off point for sure. Okay. Yeah. 
We read his book, Dr. Matthew Walker's book, which just kind of helps understand why sleep is so important. Um, and then we delved into the science of sleep. There's tons of sleep journals. We looked into child development, what would be typical at various ages and what to expect with sleep and kind of what skills do kids have at various ages that you can take into account when you're working on sleep. Um, we looked into acceptance and commitment training, which I have more experience in, um, just helping with psychological flexibility and talking when that is needed, um, as well as some of those barriers for parents sometimes because sleep, working on sleep is hard. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of barriers that pop up for us. And I say that us because I experienced it too. Um, so supporting that as well, supporting parents that need to work on sleep for their kids. Um we also often work alongside, if we can, OTs because occupational therapists can sometimes help with um, regulating um, if needed, right? So particularly for the neurodivergent kids that we work with, sometimes they're needing some assistance with regulation mm -hmm. and getting their bodies ready for sleep. So then mm -hmm. it can be helpful to be working with other disciplines there. Awesome. Okay. And so having such a wide range of clients and also, you know, various sciences you're drawing on, could you distill down some common situations that you come across? Like, are there a few that stand out in your mind? I, I'd say the most common one is fading the parent out of the bedroom. Okay. Um, I'd be curious what the data is on that, like if we did percentage wise, but mm -hmm. that one is usually the hardest. Parents try to t try to do that one on their own. But it's a lot more difficult once you get started. So having that support has been helpful for families. Mm. Um, another one is like getting enough sleep. So how to extend sleep, how to get them to sleep longer, how to get them to go to sleep a bit earlier, quicker. Um, I'd say those are, that's another really common one. Mm. Okay. And are you ever working with more than one child? Like do you work with the whole family? Um, if there's like multiple kids and various sleep issues happening? Yeah, often it's it's siblings because if, well, I mean, if, if one child isn't sleeping, pretty much the household isn't sleeping. Mm -hmm. So often other sleep habits have popped up that are kind of unhealthy for siblings or parents have maybe gotten into some unhealthy sleep patterns too. Mm -hmm. So we often do have to tackle other sleep habits, not just the person that called us with the problem. Often it's tackling everybody and figuring out what works for the entire family. So it's not just mm -hmm. what works for that child, but what can we integrate for the entire family, mm -hmm. especially for kids that have different age ranges. Two-year-olds can sleep very differently than a 10-year-old, mm -hmm. um, but you need something that works for everyone. Um, so we often run into that when it comes to siblings. Okay. Yeah. So it's very holistic. And uh, that, that's so great to hear because yeah, you're right. The family is like a whole unit. Everybody is influencing each other. So that's great mm -hmm. that your services are so wrapped around that way, considering everyone. So I'm a bit curious about um, things like melatonin or other supplements, because I've heard that that's, you know, quite common for people to just, you know, as adults, like self-medicate or um, maybe doctors are, are saying, oh, try melatonin um, to encourage sleep. So are there other common strategies that you hear um, that families have maybe tried and are just not working? Because I know melatonin, maybe for some, they report that that works. But then I know for a lot of families, they try it and it's not effective. Are there other things that seem to um, families come to you and they say, we've tried this, we've tried that, other things that are not effective? 
or maybe like pitfalls that they can fall into? I think melatonin is probably the most common one that we get. Um, okay. Where that is usually the first line of defense when there's sleep issues. Um, but melatonin itself only tackles that falling asleep, that onset piece. So it helps you fall asleep faster, but um, it doesn't actually help you sleep longer and, and it can interrupt your natural melatonin levels. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of things you can do to increase your natural melatonin production. There's also a lot of things that we do that interfere with our natural melatonin production, like screens and light and all of that. Um, mm. So that's something that we definitely look at um, and consulting with pharmacist or um, whoever the doctor was just to make sure, is this really where we need to go? How do we fade this? And what does mm-hmm. that look like? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think often too, parents will try things like a nightlight or a different blanket or a weighted blanket or turning the hall light on, or um, they may try soothing activities before bed. Sometimes they do try technology because it, it's what calms everybody down. There's always kind of a variety of things that parents may have run through that they've heard about, um, like the grow clock, using the clock that has the different lights um, that go on based on whether it's time to get up or not get Um And those can be all helpful, depending on what the sleep problem is. Hmm. Um, and it's that why that's really important, right? Hmm. Why why is this sleep problem happening? And then once you answer that, you can figure out a plan that's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's running through all of those things that you tend to hear about, Google tells you about, or that parent groups might tell you about, mm-hmm. trying all of those things, and then it not works. Mm-hmm. Um, that also can be quite interesting. Okay. And I suppose maybe that's where that helpful lens comes from, because as behavior analysts, that's what we're always asking is like, why? What is the root here as opposed to just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks? So that's helpful to hear, I guess, about your angle of how you would support a family. So at what point would a family maybe come and seek your help? Um, like, do you have any thoughts or comments on when is a good time? So it's maybe more proactive versus like too late and you've gone down um, and built up maybe unhealthy habits. I, I mean, I think families come to us when they're so tired Hmm. And they've tried the basic things like those recommendations that you'll find on Google, your most popular blog posts, just your basic hygiene stuff. Hmm. Um, But they've tried all of that and it's Mm -hmm. still not working. Maybe they've Mm -hmm. tried to fade themselves out, but it caused such an upset that it was really hard to do. So how Hmm. they need more support in kind of navigating that. Um, I don't think it's ever too late I think there's always a way to try to adjust the sleep. It doesn't have to be all at once. Um, And it's a slow process depending on where everyone's Mm -hmm. at because we do recognize that the people we're working with are very sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Um, So not trying to ask too much too fast. Hmm. I can imagine that's where some of the act is quite helpful, you know, when parents are really just at the end of themselves and they know what they want to do. They value that maybe whole family health, but it's a difficult, yeah, some difficult steps. Yeah. It's their approach is very like, it's very come alongside. Um, Not an expert model, but here let's come alongside and how can we support you and kind of help guide you to the path of healthy sleep and feeling Mm -hmm. rested again. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm also wondering a little bit more about the details of your services. So, um, and as you mentioned, everything is individualized, very specialized to that family and looking at the whole picture of that family, but roughly how long would you work with a family? Is there kind of an average length of time or what do your consultation services look like? It can depend on the sleep problem, um, obviously. For the most part, I would say two to three weeks is the main chunk of time that we spend with the family. So typically we start with an interview. We start with talking about the sleep problem, learning more about family values, figuring out what's going to be a good fit, the why, why is the sleep problem happening. We come up with some options, talk with the family about what those options are, go through them come up with a plan that is a good fit for them that they feel they can do. Sometimes that means the whole thing at once. Sometimes that means piecemealing. And so if we're piecemealing, the process may take a bit longer. Um, And then supporting. So we try to do some brainstorming um, and, and just supporting them through if we need to do, I mean, it is all remote, but if we can do some kind of role play and go through examples, et cetera, we try to do that. A sleep diary is helpful. We do ask for sleep diaries just so we can keep track of how things are going and what's changing, what we need to adjust. And then we continue to monitor. So so typically it can be anywhere from two to three weeks. If we're piecemealing it, it can take a little bit longer. Um, But for the most part, you can see changes in sleep within the first few days that we start working with the family. Awesome. Okay. That's quite clear. And I I just wonder for families who have never received help, um, I just want them to be able to hear about what services look like. So that's great to hear. Um, Do you ever have families call for just like to bounce ideas off and do like a short, a quick consult? Is that an option as well? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, Do you have any key advice? I mean, Nicole, you spoke a little bit earlier about some of those things that affect melatonin and do's and don'ts like that reduce our melatonin and can increase. Do you have any, um, like one major piece of advice for families, um, in terms of healthy sleep? Um, I think the, one of the main ones is trying to develop a healthy, like a bedtime routine that's consistent as well as a daytime routine that's consistent. Hmm. Um, I could jump into a lot of things. I, one thing's really hard to pick actually (laughs) right now. Um, Screens are probably one of the most impactful Hmm. things that are in disturbing sleep. And I know kids love them. I love them. We all (laughs) love them. Um, But just monitoring screen use in the evening. So two hours before bed, trying to break from the screens and just have some quiet time to allow the body to produce that natural melatonin, get ready for, and it starts to get ready for bed on its own so that hopefully by the time it's time to go to sleep, feeling tired, and that will make bedtime a lot easier. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you have access to bright light, it makes you more alert and it can block Mm -hmm. melatonin up to 30 minutes if it's bright Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And screens are just keep our brains quite active. Mm -hmm. So for kids, I'd say like if there are screens involved, trying to to monitor that and, and look at where light is happening in the evening because melatonin is okay. triggered by light. Um, mm. So once it's dark, that's when we start to get tired. Okay. Okay. That's, that sounds helpful. 
And I'm, so I'm curious, um, and that's a great tip. It sounds like for, you know, adults, children alike, what I'm really wondering about right now, just cause it's kind of relevant to me as I'm, you know, I'm working with a young baby sleeping and I'm thinking to myself, I want to establish good patterns when, you know, from here on out. So I'm doing a bit of sleep training right now. Um, so you work with, you know, two and up. So do you have any advice for families with young children so they can start transitioning into good, healthy habits right away? Like when they're, they're quite young. Yeah. Relax. Okay. Sleep is important, but at the same time, everybody's different. Every family is different. And Mm -hmm. what works for one family isn't going to work for another. Mm -hmm. Um, Sleep also fluctuates when kids are young. You know, one day they'll have a great nap. The next day they won't. A week later, something will shift. And that's very common. Mm -hmm. Um, I know from my own experience, especially my first, I would get kind of uptight and worried when things started to go off track. And I'd know that this is what sleep is supposed to look like and why doesn't it? And had to kind of take a step back with my second and realize their sleep is so different, which means everyone's Mm -hmm. sleep must be so different. So, okay, let's just take it down a notch. Um, Consistency is important for toddlers, but no parent is consistent 100% of the time. So as much as you can have a routine that's 15 to 20 minutes before bed, And that never changes. As much as you can create a good sleep environment, dark enough, comfortable enough, and mimic that at nap time if you can. Um, Model sleep habits. Talk about sleep early on so that that starts to become a value as well. Talking about why do we sleep with kids at at a level they'll understand. But, you know, sleeping helps us learn and it helps us focus. So take care of our body. Um, sometimes when we get really irritated, it's because we haven't slept and sleeping really well can help us with that. So I think just normalizing those conversations with kids too. Mm -hmm. So why sleep is important can help later on when they start to not want to go to bed, (laughs) right? When you get into kind of the elementary years, um, when avoiding bed is, is what starts to pop up. Um, but I think for parents really just Toddlers are just fascinating little beings and you just in a lot of ways have no control over what happens, but the best mm-hmm. you can do is try to keep those routines, try to keep that consistency and, and kind of, mm-hmm. and just know that one day off isn't going to make or break the sleep routine, isn't going to make or break healthy sleep. Um, so be kind to yourself. It's okay to have those hiccups and kind of roll with it because those toddler years, there's a lot of big growth and a lot of big changes mm-hmm. and that can interrupt sleep on its own. It's nothing you're doing. It's just their body figuring stuff. And that's okay. Okay. Well, that is really helpful personally. So <laughs> yeah, thank you, Hillary. I think I do need to relax a little bit sometimes because I, I do feel very uptight about sleep right now. and like, got to get it right. But mm-hmm. it that change. goes for puppy sleep too. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Um. Nicole just Nicole has a new puppy and she's struggling oh, with sleep too. So that goes yes. for puppy. <laughs> it's so yeah. terrible. Oh gosh. I, I'm I'm just curious, are you applying any of your same like do you do a routine with the dog? I actually don't know. Like are you using, applying any of your same strategies with your puppy right now? Um trying to make sure he goes to the bathroom right before bed. 
Um, there you go. <laughs> that's definitely one. And limiting food and water a couple hours before sleep. Okay. Yeah. Um, has it helped? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he'll get older at some point, and they they grow out of it. But I fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers hopefully. crossed. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Um. So you did mention that book earlier about the science of sleep. Do you have any other, aside from <laughs> your Instagram, any other great resources for families if they're curious about trying out some strategies and just kind of delving into it? Yeah. Um. Dr. Kanapari, C-A-N-A-P-A-R-I, she has a really good book. And he also has a really helpful website, um, which is is a little tough to navigate. It, it, it's not like super user-friendly if you never listens to this, but um, it's got some good info. And often I refer them to one section that talks about melatonin. So he has mm-hmm. a really nice video that just explains how the wake sleep cycle works and where melatonin comes into it. Mm. And I think it's really helpful for parents to understand that sleep-wake drive Mm. um, because that can help you kind of problem-solve as you're trying to figure out your child's sleep. Um, And then his book has a ton of different strategies for various sleep problems, which is very user-friendly and has some nice checklists and stuff to go through. And the Sleep Foundation is a good website as well. They have good information Mm. on typical sleep, um, some age-related sleep issues that you may be tackling, um, that can also be a good place to go to quickly problem solve. Oh, okay. Um, I think those are like the best ones to start with. Okay. And the science of for parents sleep. first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And why we sleep is Dr. Walker's. Okay. Why we sleep, Dr. Walker. Great. So I can I can link all that, and I'll also link your Instagram because I I think you guys have great information online as well for families. So that is a help, probably a helpful place to start too. Very accessible. Um, so I'm curious also, do you have anything coming up with your own practice? We are accepting families and clients. So setting up a free 15 minute intake call, um, is always a great way to just know if we're a good fit or if maybe our services are needed yet or what kind of package we can kind of suggest. Part of the new website as well will be, it will include some blogs. We'll be working on some courses, working on some parent family resources as well, quick videos, et cetera. Partly the new website is to handle all of that, to be able to handle video and kind of how to navigate all of that. So that's hopefully coming out next month. Um, Great. So we'll be able to provide more resources for families that's more exciting. Okay. That's very exciting. Okay. Well, I will, uh, when that is out then, I'll be sure to link this with this conversation. So that's, uh, that's great to know. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you uh, just sharing what you do and some of those really helpful takeaways for families who really need that, that help. So much appreciated and uh, good luck with your, your website and your upcoming courses and, and such new resources. And good luck Thanks with your dog. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, you too. The comments and views expressed in this podcast do not constitute or replace contractual behavior analytic consultation or professional advice. Views expressed are solely the perspective of the speaker and do not represent the views or position of their colleagues, employer, or other associates. 
please seek at a behavior analyst through the BACB website if you would like to receive further behavior consultation. Until next time, take care. Thank you.